Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. At the recommendation of John Yurchik, the owner of CalSpan, we have a leader nationally active with medical marijuana. I'd also like to thank Maria Caserta, who works with the Dent Neurological Institute, for helping arrange this program today. Our guest today is Dr. Laszlo Meckler, and he is with the Dent Neurologic Institute. He is board certified in neurology, neuro-oncology, headache medicine, and neuroimaging. Dr. Meckler is professor of neurology and oncology at the State University of New York at Buffalo. He serves as the director of the Headache and Neuro-Oncology Center at the Dent Neurologic Institute, one of the largest neurological centers in the United States, and he's also chief of neuro-oncology at Roswell Park Cancer Institute. Dr. Meckler's training includes institutions such as MD Anderson and the State University of New York at Buffalo. You may have seen a lot of the national publicity as he's a leader with this effort with medical marijuana. Let's first talk about the Dent Cannabis Clinic at uh, Dent and the direction this is taking. Dr. Meckler. Well, thank you again, uh, Brian, for allowing me to be here on your show. Uh, The Dent Cannabis Clinic uh, really is something we had no choice in. Uh, We were thrown into the center of this whole uh, movement because patients uh, we're requesting it. We were receiving 60 to 100 phone calls a day requesting evaluation for the use of med- medical marijuana. What the audience has to understand that in New York State, there is the New York State Medical Mar- Marijuana Program has 10 distinct indications for the use of medical marijuana. Of the 10, seven are purely neurological in nature. I'll give you some examples. Okay. Multiple sclerosis, epilepsy, Parkinson's disease, ALS or so-called Lou Gehrig's disease, neuropathy, spasticity with spinal cord injury. Uh, so there is a uh, seven indications. The other indications uh, include uh, HIV and AIDS, cancer, specifically cancer-related pain or loss of weight as well as irritable bowel syndrome or gastrointestinal disorders, I should say. So these are the 10 specific indications in New York State, which differs a lot from other states around the country. And as you know, medical marijuana is state legalized, but federally still illegal, which gets very complicated when it comes to treating patients as physicians. Now, I understand uh, from Maria Caserta that you've been lobbying quite a bit in Albany and Washington regarding medical marijuana for patients. What exactly was your lobbying about, and how was your success with that? Well, I'm part of the executive uh, committee for a brain pack, which is, represents the American Academy of Neurology. And being an advocate for medical marijuana for our patients, uh, I was in Washington just recently talking to most of the New York State congressmen and politicians in advocacy to change 
the classification of marijuana from Schedule 1 to Schedule 2. Now, once more, for individuals who don't understand, marijuana, for political reasons, was placed in Schedule 1 in the 1970s by uh, President Nixon. And at that point, uh, Schedule 1 drugs included LSD, heroin, ecstasy, peyote, and now marijuana. So the bottom line is anything in Schedule 1 is no medical benefit, highly addictive. In reality, marijuana is not highly addictive, and it also uh, has health benefits, which, we, which most physicians are aware of. So since 1970, there has been not any significant research done in, the, in, in, in medical marijuana in medical conditions and neurological conditions. That is not the fault of physicians. That's not the fault of our patients. But because of that, we don't have strong knowledge on where and how to use medical marijuana, except for individuals who may have used it for diseases and uh, using it in an illicit fashion. Mm-hmm. So my, my goal is to do research with medical marijuana and switch from Schedule 1 to Schedule 2. I recently came back from Albany, and I requested a roundtable discussion with the um, health commissioner and, 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 doc, and, uh, and governor's uh, representatives. And I'll hopefully have that in Western New York at the Dan Institute. For now, I think, uh, I think the medical marijuana program in New York State is, uh, has some issues. But in general, I think in principle, it's a good program. It's restrictive. Uh, it, has, it, was, um, um, it has still um, um, barriers for our patients to receive medical marijuana. But I think the future will be bright. It's just going to get some time to work out some of the idiosyncrasies. I will say that I think there needs to be more indications. If I can name two indications, one being PTSD, especially for our veterans who are coming back from the Middle East, uh, and also for individuals with pain, such as in chronic migraine. So I think I like to expand the indications. I think we need some interaction with the with the powers to be in Albany. I also feel strongly that our nurse practitioners should be able to prescribe, uh, excuse me, certify our patients, not just physicians. Uh, the, the one complaint I ha- I, I've heard is there's not enough physicians in New York State who are certified to give medical marijuana. I will tell you that at the Dent Institute, we have nine physicians uh-huh. in our Dent Cannabis Clinic who are certifying and seeing patients. So we have hundreds of patients that have already been certified in Western New York. I'd like to mention that uh, Dr. Laszlo Meckler will be the recipient of a community service award from the Muscular Dystrophy Association on October 27th at Salvatore's Italian Garden. So there should be 400 business people there to salute Dr. Meckler along with Congressman Chris Collins at that event. So congratulations to you on the prestigious award. Thank uh, you. Let's talk a little bit more about reclassifying a marijuana from Schedule One. What is the sig- significance of this? What does it mean to the patients? In a classif- in a Schedule One uh, um, um, category, medical marijuana, we literally can't do any research with it. So I can't look at a patient population and say I would like to treat this group and do research. I can't do that. I would need FDA, DEA. Uh, permission, and that takes years, and most of the time uh, individuals are denied. So it's a very difficult process. 
I've started that process just to say that I'm doing the process, but it would be far more easier to switch it from Schedule 1 to Schedule 2. Now, Schedule 2 includes cocaine. So the Schedule 2 is still restrictive, but it'll give me an opportunity to do research in neurological disorders at the Den Institute with our patient population. So I'm optimistic that may happen. There are a couple of bipartisan-supported legislation in Congress right now. One of them is called the CARES Act, which is supported by Dr. Gillibrand, Dr. Booker, Dr. Rand, uh, excuse me, as doctor, uh, uh, Congressman uh, Rand, and also uh, uh, Congressman Schumer. So, so uh, we do have some support for that, and and I hope. Hopefully, in July, a decision will be made in Washington to support the CARES Act, which is strongly supported by uh, uh, several uh, advocacy groups made up of patients and their, uh, and their families. Very good. We're learning a great deal about the efforts nationally for medical marijuana with Dr. Laszlo Mechtler, and he is with the Dent Neurologic Institute. So we're learning a great deal. If you're listening in Buffalo or Montreal or Washington, D.C., to our 50,000 watts of clear channel power, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia, New Zealand, so we'd like to hear from you, our European and Canadian listeners. I'd like to mention, coming up in this program, we have Ray Ammerman, an executive with West Her, and then Congressman Pete Hoekstra. I'd like to thank those who called regarding our guest, Mark Schlussel from Michigan, who was talking about the anti-Semitism on the college campuses, Arcadio Casillas, State Vice Chairman of the New York State Republican Party, and Dr. Brenneman with the Society of Four Arts in Palm Beach, Florida. A little bit more information about Dr. Meckler. He is past president of the American Society of Neuroimaging. He has authored numerous publications, which includes editor of four books, 30 chapters, and numerous peer-reviewed articles. Currently, Dr. Meckler is the associate editor and board member of Continuum. He was appointed to sit on the State Athletic Medical Advisory Board by Governor Andrew Cuomo, for the past four years, and he's on the Neuro Expert Panel for the American College of Radiology, an expert on medical marijuana. Our guest today, Dr. Lazo L. Meckler with the Dent Neurologic Institute. Let's talk about the use of marijuana to reduce opiate use. Uh, will it help if people are given marijuana and help them from going to the dangerous and deadly opiates? Yes, uh, this is what, what I, I call somewhat apropos uh, um, subject. As we know, not only in New York State, but in the United States, there's a opiate or opioid epidemic. Uh, part of this is related to uh, our national habits and our vices, but part of it has been the change in prescribing of uh, opiates by physicians. Um, as you well know, it, it has been mandated by the government and, uh, the, and the medical societies to document pain as a fifth vital sign. When this happened, there was a dramatic increase in the use of opiates. So if you don't document how much pain your patient is in, then you can get criticized, even fined for that. So physicians started documenting these 
uh, pain issues. Since then, we've been using more painkillers. And now the physicians are being blamed for prescribing too many opiates. Um, for that reason, uh, we've been looking for other ways to decrease the use of opiates. And one way is to evaluate the patient and be sure that the opiate is indicated. I don't think anyone would argue that patients suffering from cancer, uh, opiates are indicated. We're re really talking in patients who may have chronic benign pain syndromes. So that's a controversial is issue. I will say there is significant literature and experience that when opiates are used, that there's a dec uh, that and marijuana used at the same time, opiates tend to decrease in, in the use and frequency. Let me give you an example. In the states where medical marijuana has been allowed or legalized, there has been a 25% decrease in the amount of opiate-related deaths. This is a John Hopkins study. Mm -hmm. There was a study out of Israel that stated that 43% of patients who are medical marijuana decreased their use of opiates. A Michigan study said it was 63%. So I think we have enough experience and knowledge to say that patients who are receiving, I'm again emphasizing, medical or medicinal marijuana decreased their use of opiates. So in the, in the context of a medical marijuana epidemic, it would be prudent for all physicians, especially ones who deal with medical marijuana, to consider using medical marijuana to decrease the dependency and the need for opiates. So I think, uh, I think but unfortunately, New York State has not approved medical marijuana for pain. So here is the dichotomy that you see that uh, the government criticizes the physicians, but then mm -hmm. doesn't allow them to use opiates. Excuse me, uh, mar medical marijuana. It sounds like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. And the physicians get caught in the middle. The physicians right now are extremely concerned for their livelihood and their practice when using opiates. So if we don't use it, we criticize. If we use it, we criticize. So the bottom line is we do need pain specialists in, West, in Western New York and beyond. And, um, but as you've heard, over the last several years, there's been uh, close to a half a dozen physicians who have received major fines or time in jail for overuse of opiates. Uh, it's, it's a difficult system. And, and my recommendations are to consider medical marijuana, but then we need justification and we need the government to allow us to do that. Right now, we have no New York State indication for use of chronic benign pain and medical marijuana. Let's talk, Dr. Laszlo Meckler, about indications for the future with medical marijuana in New York State. Let's look five, ten years from now. Where do you see it? Well, I see medical marijuana, and I hope research will be done in, in the next ten years that prove where we need to use it. Medical marijuana is not just a plant. It's a, it's, it's a plant with about... 400 chemicals in it. Some of them are terpenes, flavonoids, and about 100 cabinoids. Uh, um, we have THC, which is the psychoactive component. We have CBD, which is more of the anti-inflammatory, uh, anti-pain component. Mm -hmm. Then I could name you about 15 other different derivatives of the medical marijuana plant or so-called uh, cannabis sativa or indica. Mm -hmm. um, 
There's CBG, CBC, and I can go down. These other chemicals have not been researched well. So here is a vacuum of knowledge when it comes to the other chemicals beyond the most common one, which is uh, 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 CBD and THC. So right now, we're really looking at different ratios of THC and CBD. So the future is going to hold. One, we're going to learn more about the smaller components of this plant, and we can define exactly what ratios to use. Then we'll be treating specific diseases. If it's sleep disturbance, insomnia, if it's pain, if it's a migraine, if it's anxiety attacks, or if it's chronic pain, chronic nauseousness. And there's research going on now, unfortunately not in the United States, but in Europe, specifically in Madrid, Spain, where they're looking at medical marijuana for the treatment of brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And there's phenomenal new uh, uh, research looking at it in animal models and in uh, tissue models to look at how CBD interferes with the growth of cancer. So I see a future in even in oncology. So the future is very open. We have, we've used this drug for close to 10,000 years. And, and we still sit here and say we don't have enough research. And the government has not allowed us to do research. And the research that has been done has always been looking at the negative effects of medical marijuana and not the positive effects. Very good. Well, it sounds like you are geared to the future and you don't have your eyes glued to the rearview mirror, but it sounds like a lot of our elected officials are not relevant with this discussion. It's unfortunate because if you take a look at the population, even Democrats and Republicans, the majority still vote for the legalization of medical marijuana. I'm not, and I emphasize that, I haven't mentioned recreational marijuana. I have not mentioned smoking of marijuana. And I've not mentioned edibles. I'm talking about medical marijuana or medicinal marijuana as a vaporizer, as a capsule, or as a tincture. There's different variations of that. And I think there is significant health benefits. And how do I know that if I've not done research? I've known that because as these patients are coming back to my office, I've been practicing medicine for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. What I see, I've never seen before. I've seen patients come back who are throwing away their medications, who are saying is the best they felt in their life, and these are suffering patients. Again, part of what I do as a physician is try to cure people, but more importantly, I relieve their suffering. So I found a non-pharmacological, in other words, a, 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 a medication or a phar- uh, that is not prescribed by a pharmaceutical company, but is a natural God-given plant that helps alleviate suffering. And let me just cite one example. I think this is very important. The changes that have occurred at a state level were produced by, by patients and their advocates. And most of these advocates were for children with intractable epilepsy. And there was testimonials of young children who were having 100 seizures a day who oh took goodness. medical marijuana, and the seizures subsided significantly. Imagine if you have a child who's having 100 seizures a day. That's suffering. Terrible. Terrible. So this went to the government, bypassed most of the medical community, and the governments and the state governments approved medical marijuana in 23 states. So here we sit 
with these partial epilepsies. Now in London, in England, a company just recently did a study looking at this intractable partial epilepsy, so uh, so-called Dravet syndrome, and treated that population, and there was a 60% decrease in seizure activity. Wonderful. And about 16% are seizure-free. Tremendous. So these are individuals. Well, you're who, a lifesaver, doctor. So this is very exciting stuff, uh, stuff, and we have patients, these young children, with their parents coming to the dent, being treated by my, not by just by myself, but by colleagues at the dent who are certified physicians. So it's an exciting time for neurologists. Uh, I'm just hoping that the politics will catch up. Very good. We're learning a great deal on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. If you're listening in Toronto, South Buffalo, or northern Florida to our 50,000 watts of clear channel power, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. And we always greet letters from our Canadian and European listeners. A little bit more information about Dr. Meckler. He also sits on the executive committee for Brain Pack for the American Academy of Neurology and serves as the Neuroimaging Section Chair. He's a national and international lecturer. He's the principal investigator on a multitude of international clinical research trials. Dr. Laszlo Meckler routinely is interviewed by local and national media outlets on a variety of medical topics. These media platforms include CNN, ABC News, Fox News, New York Times, and Time Magazine, just to name a few. A man who's ahead of his time fighting for medical marijuana to, as he said, uh, help these children who have 100 seizures a day. Uh, terrible situation. Uh, and again, Dr. Meckler serves as medical director of Dent Neurologic Institute, as well as chief of neuro-oncology at Roswell Park Cancer Institute. Let's talk about PTSD, what it is, and how medical marijuana can help those with PTSD. Dr. Meckler. Well, PTSD, as you know, post-traumatic stress disorder is often seen in our veterans coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, also seen in Vietnam vets, all, uh, and it's relatively common psychiatric disorder, impeding quality of life, uh, associated with a high suicide rate, and associated with depression. Um, what's interesting is that this drug, medical marijuana, is illegal at a federal level. Mm-hmm. So what happens is VAs are a federally supported uh, hospital system. So not, there is no VA physicians who can prescribe medical marijuana for their PTSD patients uh, because they would lose their license and it would be illegal. Right. They can't even recommend the, their own patients to come to my clinic because that would be also illegal. So you, you see the dichotomy, the, 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 what's going on here. And what population would need uh, medical marijuana for PTSD would be that population. Having said that, the research only recently has been approved by the government to be done on PTSD. We have testimonials. We have life experience. The medical, medical marijuana has helped patients with PTSD. Now the research is going to go forward. The government has approved it. It's going to take a few years. But even then, even if, there's a, as a, even if we prove that medical marijuana works in PTSD, the VA physician still cannot prescribe it 
because it's federally legal. And that's what's so concerning to me as a physician is that I have colleagues who understand they should use it and want to use it, but they can't use it. I'm in a different situation. I, have, uh, I work at a neurological institute that's privately run. It's not hospital-based, it's not university-based, it's not VA-based. So I can prescribe medications in the context of the New York State regulations. So I can't prescribe it by definition. I can certify patients who then become registered, who then go to these dispensaries. Uh, as you probably heard, we don't have enough dispensaries, and many of them are not functioning to capacity. There's some dispensaries in Western New York that has one drug which is very unfortunate. So patients in Buffalo, my patients, drive three hours to find a dispensary in the middle of New York State to get their medication. So the, 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 there are still issues with the, this whole process, but I'm an optimist. Uh, we're better off today than we were a year ago. So, so I hope when possibly I could come back and give you an update on what's going on with the medical marijuana program, then I can be more optimistic that things are going in the right direction. Let's talk about those who have terrible pain, perhaps from cancer, and the pain is insurmountable. Or let's say somebody has lower back pain, which is excruciating. How about pain? How can medical marijuana help that? There's, there's scientific proof that uh, the components of the medical marijuana plant, including CBD, can relieve pain. It's a pain reliever. In fact, we know that dosages of medical marijuana equals codeine in pain relief, but it does not have the addiction potential. Most people don't understand that marijuana doesn't kill. Opiates kill. Alcohol kills and tobacco kills, all three of which are legal. Mm-hmm. Marijuana, for one to die from marijuana would have to smoke 150,000 cigarettes in 15 minutes. So, so it doesn't happen. Um, medical marijuana, and when it comes to addiction, has the lowest addiction rate. I'm not sure if you're aware that nicotine is more addictive than cocaine and alcohol, which has it's far more addictive than marijuana. You rarely see medical marijuana or marijuana addiction in patients over the age of 24. We don't give medical marijuana to inf- uh, juveniles, teenagers because it may affect the maturation of the brain. But in adults, medical marijuana, in my opinion, is not that addictive, less than 6%. And number two, uh, won't kill you. But in fact, will decrease the use of alcohol, of opiates. So I think, I think you know, there's some misunderstanding of what marijuana is about. And once more, let me emphasize, I'm not talking about smoking, getting high. I'm not talking about eating something that causes us a paranoid schizophrenic breakdown. I'm talking about medicinal marijuana, uh, mostly CBD, uh, and its effects on pain. So to answer your specific question, yes, it can be used in pain and cancer patients. It can be used in other pains. And I'd rather see a patient on medical marijuana than opiates because with opiates, you have a tendency to use more and more as, as months and years go by. There's a strong addictive potential. And I have to tell you, it's not un, uh, uncommon to overdose on opiates. Let me give you an example. There's 18,000 deaths on opiates in the United States per year, 18,000. There's zero with medical marijuana. 
I'm sorry we have to come to a close on the Rusk Report on ESPN Radio, blanketing 17 states. We've learned so much from a national expert on medical marijuana, Dr. Laszlo L. Meckler, medical director of the Dent Neurologic Institute in Amherst, New York. Also, special thanks to Maria Caserta for arranging this program and Kevin Carr, our director of production for the past 15 years. Thank you for enlightening us, Dr. Laszlo Meckler. Have a great week. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.